0: So hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of uh, the ASI Cast, And I'm delighted to say that uh, today's edition, I'm joined by uh, Nick Manning. Nick Manning is, I'm sure, known to very many of you. He was the founder of a, uh, a famous media agency called Manning Gottlieb, which subsequently was sold to Omnicom. And Nick then became uh, the CEO of the Omnicom media agencies here in the UK. And Manning Gottlieb, indeed, still is very much a force in, um, in UK advertising as, as part of the Omnicom uh, group. Uh, Nick had uh, various roles after that. I mean, the most uh, notable of which I suspect was that he was the chief strategy officer at the consulting business uh, Ubiquity. Um, and uh, for the last few years, he's he's been a a, a critic and a vocal commentator uh, as an independent consultant. So hi there, Nick. Hello. Thank you for inviting me to join you. Absolutely. Our pleasure, I can say. Right, Nick, um, you wrote a piece, which is what really started the, the uh, discussion we're going to have today uh, on uh, the Media Leader site on the 22nd of May, which I think was entitled something like the online advertising bubble has burst. Yeah. Um, and you were making the point, uh, of course, which is, of course, uh, both very fair and extremely true, that both um, Vice and BuzzFeed are two, you know, two examples of sites on uh, driven by, funded by online advertising that have had a very serious uh, financial trouble. And is this, you were uh you were articulating is this um an indication that the online ad bubble has burst um the point is of course though, that the share taken of total advertising onto online channels is still continuing um to grow so do you think that vice and buzzfeed which were the two that you quoted are kind of an isolated incident or do you think there's a more a sort of greater shifting of the tectonic plates as it were towards more quality and independent media
1: well, they weren't the first. I mean, we've seen obviously we've seen a lot of uh, mastheads in inverted commas uh, go from being, uh, you know, brought, uh, pub- published in print format uh, to go digital. Some have even been closed down. So there's been attrition for quite a long time. I think the, the point about uh, Buzzfeed and Vice is that they are the most uh, outstanding examples of companies um, that represented the supposedly the the height of the internet frenzy. They were both valued at. Uh, several billion dollars of value not so very long ago they were the darlings of the industry everybody said it was going to be the the future of of uh, of news um and uh, and of course that's no longer no longer the true uh, true the bubble has definitely burst i mean the valuations of uh of, of many companies in the sector uh have declined if you look at the article that talks about the fact that um, most of the uh, ad tech companies who IPO'd in that 2019-2021 to 2021 period are um, significantly down versus their IP float price. Some of them 90% down uh, and and not all of them would survive. And we've seen this week that Viant and MediaMath are looking to get together, for example. So I, I think it's fair to say that while they may, they may be the poster child Vice and BuzzFeed, the truth is Um, that we've come to the end of a 20-year run when the internet uh, was the only game in town. Advertising uh, was was going to be an unlimited source of funding for the internet, although obviously other people have got hybrid models and subscription-only models. But um, it's been 20 years-ish that there seemed to be this unlimited amount of advertising money funding internet-based media properties and i think we definitely have come to the end of that period now um it was a it was a bubble uh, which is why so many companies are now well below their original value uh and the question really is that you know, if we are at a crossroads where do we go from here uh and i see it as an opportunity as much as anything else to reset the dials and some of the things that haven't been so great about the last 20 years so you would reset the dial more towards sort of
0: quality i would imagine because i mean just taking our own our own little world here in the UK, we've got um, the Telegraph titles uh, being put up for sale, um, although it's it's fair to point out that's nothing to do with the financial performance of the Telegraph titles, which I believe are doing doing perfectly well. And I think they're, yeah. they're up in the 20, 30, 30, 40 million pound a year uh, profit um, level. Uh, but anyway, they're being put up for sale. Um, they seem to have built a pretty successful sort of subscription model. I think it's about 750 odd thousand subscribers they've now got, yeah. which is still yeah. bad. Um, and you're sort of wonder, I'm sort of wondering whether or not, you know, the telegraph, I suppose, is an example of a, a good old sort of quality newspaper, which seems to be able to attract uh, yeah. subscribers into this hybrid model. I mean, do you see that as a indication that, you know, to support your case against
1: the, the online. Uh, yeah. Well, I think the truth is that if the quality is good enough, um, there are people out there who will uh, want to pay for it. Um, and you and I may not be uh, Daily Telegraph types of people, although um, one of my secret pleasures is I do subscribe to the Daily Telegraph online, uh, mostly for the comments below the articles. But that's another story. Um, but there, there, I mean, you know, there are many media owners like the Financial Times and others uh, in Netflix and in the broadcast area, who have demonstrated that they can have uh, successful models based on uh, high high quality content that people are prepared to pay for, uh, and you know that there is, and advertising is not an unlimited uh, it is not in unlimited supply. I mean, you know, we've ridden a, a wave over the last well several years, really, since the crash of advertising growing back again and being in plentiful supply, but it isn't any longer. Uh, it's also been spread in some ways too thinly. Uh, uh, but on the other hand, far too much of it has flown uh, into a small number of places, no- notably Meta uh, and Google, and now TikTok, uh, Amazon. I suppose you could add in there as well. So on the one hand, you've got so many people chasing advertising money, uh, and so much of it going into just a small number of places. There simply wasn't enough to go around, and it was okay while the advertising market was relatively strong. Uh, but now that it's uh, it's In a a, you know advertising in something of its own recession, the 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 advertising spigot has um, has stopped um, you know producing, and as a result uh, you know to use the Buffett analogy, um, the tide's gone out and everyone can now see who was swimming naked. So we will see more we will see more uh, closures and and mergers and changes because the advertising revenue uh, is no longer there that it was uh, before. I was was just going to say an extraordinary
0: thing. If you listen to financial advisors and VCs and PEs and all those sorts of people, there does seem to be this kind of, this sort of belief that advertising is somehow elastic, you know, (laughs) that there's an unlimited supply of advertising and that somebody new comes along and they will just somehow or other generate some from some unseen sort of unknown lake of money that's, Away. well in, it,
1: in a way that was the case because the the uh, the source of the money that was funding the internet was uh, print uh, and certainly television and other media so the there was this massive you know displacement of money from from the older media types into the new media types uh, but that's not happening anymore either there isn't really that displacement has happened. Um, uh, so that it happened, but also the, uh, there's not m- much new money coming into the advertising marketplace. But I would also contend that uh, so much of this was driven by the uh, sense from advertisers that they had to invest in digital properties, uh, almost irrespective of the fact whether they were working or not. And, and in many instances, I believe they probably couldn't tell, but digital was everything because that was where the people were going and the money followed suit. Uh, and I think to a certain extent over the last 20 years, people have been investing in digital properties without necessarily knowing whether it was a good investment or not. And so often, you know, it was difficult to tell. Um, but I just of caveat this and say that not all digital properties are the same. I think search, for example, has completely different dynamics and is much easier to, to quantify and, and validate. Whereas uh, the walled gardens, um, you know, have worked for many small to medium businesses, but not so much the big uh, players. But online display advertising, which is the main focus of the article that you're referring to, um, has been a source of and a tremendous loss of value to advertisers for many, many years. And it's not just I what thinks that. Um, all the studies um, there have been uh, back to 2014 with the WFA and the ANA in 2016 and PWC twice recently all say pretty much the same thing. Um, uh, just just in terms of the transactional costs, leaving aside issues like viewability and fraud and so on and so forth, so enormous dis- destruction of value during that period of time has been sustained by advertisers to the to the benefit of the of the intermediary market, mm-hmm. and that that has lasted a very very long time. And it has to be said that it's a good thing that it's it's starting to 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 break down now. And in Cannes, in two weeks' time, the top-line results from the latest ANA study will come out. And, um, you know, if I were a gambling man, I would say that it'll probably tell a similar story. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I mean, ad spend levels always used to be kind of linked in some way, didn't
0: they? Directly linked, actually, to audience numbers. So, you know, know, produce the audience, bring in the money kind of thing. Um, But given the opacity of, you know, how, how much fraud there is around, given how much lack of validated data there is around in some of the walled gardens and so on. That link, it would seem to me, has been somewhat, somewhat broken. I mean, you've now got, you know, people spending money um, apparently to reach people, but actually a lot of the time to reach something else other than people, you know, be it bots or, or um, well, you know, other fraudulent. Yeah, well, I mean, you know,
1: the, the, the truth, I mean, it's very simple, and I've been saying this for a number of years now, but, um, you know, the, the currency that was invented uh, to fund the internet advertising model was impressions, hmm. um, which everybody, for some reason, seemed to think was audience. Uh, it, it it really isn't audience. It's got nothing to do with audience. It's a machine-to-machine transaction. Um, and uh, there was no, you know, virtual sort of data attached to those impressions that actually looked like an audience. I mean, people have tried in various ways to attach, you know, third-party data, first-party data, sometimes second Um, to make it more audience-like. But the truth is that the people have been buying on an impressions basis. And if that is true, and it was true, the more impressions that could be manufactured, uh, the more money flows to whoever's manufacturing them. Some of those impressions were genuine, you know, people actually doing what people do. But of course, it was in everybody's interest to manufacture artificial impressions as well, because they attracted money too. And the difference, the difficulty that everyone's had is actually telling the difference between a good old fashioned human impression, um, you know, adding in viewability and so on, now more recently attention, and bots and fraud and, um, you know, bot farms. You know, you can buy traffic on the internet. Um, You don't know where you're getting it from, but you can buy it. Uh, But it's so there's a lack of audience data that's the problem because it's impressions are not an audience.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I
1: mean, I think you also
0: made, um, I know you also made the point, I mean, if not in this article, but it's somewhere else I read that, um, you know, it always used to be, didn't it, that advertising and the whole business of advertising was done for the benefit of advertisers. I mean, that's kind of what it was for. I mean, you produced an ad in order to make more money for the advertiser or do something or other for the advertiser. But of course that was in the days, I suppose, when you had a kind of limited supply of, you know, of channels in order to reach an audience and therefore, you know, almost by definition, it made an awful lot of sense to go out and buy audience. That was exactly what we all used to do. As soon as you take away that, um, as soon as you make the supply completely unlimited, Mm -hmm. then the whole thing seems to me to sort of break down and advertising becomes a a revenue stream rather than anything else. It's not much to do with um, that.
1: Well, well, programmatic uh, trading was not invented by advertisers. Uh, It was invented by publishers and the ad tech industry as a way of clearing uh, a vast amount of inventory um now you know and again without wishing to be too simplistic if you're a publisher and you used to publish daily or weekly you had a certain amount of inventory to fill um and you had ways of filling that but if you're a publisher and you're publishing every day and you've got uh advertising inventory to fill every day in fact every hour uh even every minute then you find ways of doing that, which is why the ad networks got set up in the first place as a clearinghouse for for excess inventory. And of course, everybody because that worked, uh, everybody piled in, the ad tech industry was built to service it. The ad tech companies, many of them were making uh, vast profits out of it, whether they were the supply-side platforms, the demand-side platforms, even the content verification companies, data providers. There were a huge number of snouts in the trough um, none of whom were adding a, a, a you know, a, a tremendous amount of value in some instances to client business. Some yes, some no, but it's difficulty whether they were telling whether they were or not. So the industry's become led by the demand side um, of of uh, things, including, you know, the, the great powers that are Google and Meta and so on. Whereas, you know, the, what you've been describing and what I talk about is the fact that, in the, you know, when we were young people, uh, everything we did was was uh, in the interests of the advertiser, and everybody else was subsidiary to that. They were downstream, and their job was to make advertising work harder. It's now it's now work the other way, whereas advertising is there to fund media. Uh, and without too many questions asked, and and the trouble is that too many media properties have been making very very good money indeed, without being accountable for it in terms of its advertising effectiveness. And if CWC are right, and 50% of the money goes uh you know into that transactional chain before it's before it reaches the publisher. Uh and if it's true to say that viewability is roughly 60% even after that, and fraud is another 20%, then advertisers are lucky if they see, you know, 20 cents in a dollar actually doing something. Mm-hmm. Um and there's no question some advertisers have made it work for them. Um I'm sure they could have made it work harder if if so much value weren't lost. But for big advertisers, it's been very hard to tell, um, yeah. and it's quite notable um, how few case studies there are anywhere in the world for large brands who have made online display advertising uh, work very hard for them. It's rather interesting, actually.
0: That that's a very good point. It's rather interesting that if you go back in the sort of in the history of of, of the ASI, ASI used to. Um, have uh, uh, speak uh, one particular speaker, John Philip Jones, who did an awful lot. Of, you probably remember who did a great deal of work for Procter Gamble. and Gamble. I remember, I remember uh, John standing up at a at an ASI way back in the distant past, and sharing with us um, some results from uh, Procter and Gamble's first tentative steps in those days into online advertising. And his conclusion was really pretty pretty simple, which was this just doesn't work hmm. for us. I mean, it might work for someone else. But it, it doesn't work for flogging soap powder you know it just doesn't yeah not appropriate it's not working um and yet as you said i mean everyone did sort of pile in um and the i, I think we're much worse off as a result i mean i think it's worked very nicely for certain types of advertiser what we used to call perhaps dr advertisers
1: Perform, yeah, um, performance based
0: advertising, yeah. advertising is absolutely great you know but if you're trying to be a brand building advertiser if you are a brand building advertiser relying upon power of advertising to build your brand this has not been a great um
1: yeah no so. and, and i think this uh <laughs> this is the point at which uh some people out there would stand and say oh yes you're you're all anti-digital which is a a, a um a mm. uh, phrase that's been used very recently about people like myself and i kind of go well that's a bit like saying you're anti-food or anti-air mm. um not anti-anything i mean because there are lots and different lots and lots of different types of digital media digital television digital outdoor uh digital you know uh, uh newspapers if you like so it's not about being anti-digital per se it's about saying it, it's about saying is it working is it doing for the advertiser what the advertiser needs and that can be effectiveness in terms of sales it can be changing people's attitudes uh, if, for some advertisers it could be uh, simply just building the brand and you know, one of the things that I uh, I like about Bob Hoffman, and I know that you've spent quite a lot of time talking to him, is he strips all of it away and says, you know what, the thing that really makes brands uh, tick uh, in, in brand communication terms is fame. And we've been talking about this since the, well, God, 70s, 80s. I mean, fame was always and still is the main way to build brands. And uh, the, the, the nature of digital media is it's not a particularly good some of the digital media channels are not particularly good at driving fame. And they they actually sort of said, well, look, we're not about that. We're about, you know, we're about precision. We're about personalization, And we're about personalization at scale so that, you know, if Brian Jacobs sees an ad but Nick Manning doesn't see an ad, then Brian is more likely to respond to it, blah, 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 blah. And the, the truth is that's proven to be something of a myth in my view. Um, and the reality is, and I'm sure Byron Sharp has phrased it differently, but um, the reality is if you want to grow a brand. The best way to do that is through making it famous and shared and public. Um, and uh, some digital channels uh, are not very good at that. The ones that are the better at it, like YouTube, uh, don't do it as well as others do. Uh, TikTok could do it for certain audiences, for certain brands. Um, so it's not like it's all bad or all good. It's just that I think people have been... Quite uh, unadventurous uh, in some ways in trying to work out what actually works for them, and money has flown into these channels almost irrespective of whether they were actually working or not, which is the antithesis of how we used to do things back in the good or bad old days, whichever way you look at it. I mean, I, I've talked to Bob,
0: as you, you said. I mean, I've talked to Bob quite a lot about this, and one of the questions I've always asked Bob, Bob Hoffman, is, uh, it seems to me, I mean, if you take Facebook and you know, nothing pro or against Facebook, but if you take Facebook as a as a channel. It just seems to me that most ads on facebook just aren't terribly good hmm. now that could be because no one's quite worked out how best to do ads on facebook <laughs> um they've they've worked out how to do ads to in a performance sense but if you're going to use a channel as huge as facebook to build brands then you probably need to do something a little bit different from what we traditionally have done it's yeah. like saying you know it's like back in the day when we used to say when well, you can't put a You can't put a newspaper out on a poster, you know, it it, it just doesn't work. I mean, it's a different channel, it's a different way of consuming it. And I wonder whether or not, I've asked Bob this question, I wonder why it is that we just, we don't seem to have got to grips with how best to advertise on these things. We just do what we do.
1: Yeah, I think there's a a degree of that. I mean, obviously there's been an attempt to try and broaden the the inventory model uh, to include a lot more video, for example, and TikTok is a good example of that. So is Facebook, actually. But the reality is that um, the the, the formats available, the way people are using them, the way people tend to think of advertising as being primarily a a sort of direct response performance medium in many instances, it means that it's very difficult to to build a brand and build brand fame through the use of certain digital channels. Uh, And because there are so many of them and the audience is so fragmented, um, then you don't even know how many people you're really reaching and because there's quite a lot of leakage in terms of non-human traffic or poor viewability then uh, you also don't even know whether your advertising has even scored it hasn't registered i mean you know we most of our training when we were young media planners was to work out whether the advertising was even seen on um which you just can't do in most digital channels you have to take it on trust Mm. and the trouble is uh, you shouldn't take it on trust because the reality is that so much of it is not seen by by human audiences. And if it is seen by human audiences, sometimes for a very minimal period of time. And the MRC definition of viewability has been around now for, I'm going to say, 15 years. I don't know, but at least that uh, one second for static advertising and two seconds for video advertising, um, yeah. which was always a bit of a nonsense, has never really been seriously challenged. Yeah, I mean... Okay, let's just end this by asking you a, a very direct
0: question, Nick. I mean, if you were, the advertising model at the moment, we've all agreed, seems to be broken for the majority of people who are using it. People don't want to admit that for all sorts of perfectly understandable reasons, but the fact is it's not working terribly well at the moment. Now, most people, I think, agree that the most powerful medium kind of ever invented really was television, mm. or is, is television, So, if you were a broadcaster and you were selling television advertising today, in the midst of all this noise going around about online advertising and digital advertising, all the rest of it, what would you? What if you were? If you were them, what would you be focusing on?
1: What would you do? (laughs) Well, I would do what they have been doing for ever and a day. Really, is I would say that you know there there is unlimited amount of evidence that um, audio visual advertising, which is an expression I hate, but everyone uses it because they're trying to say it's not just broadcast TV or linear TV um you know television uh to give its proper title is still the best medium at driving brand fame mm-hmm. if it is a uh the right kind of messaging in other words you can't you know you can't say that just because you're on television it's going to be successful because the wrong uh avatar, the wrong messaging can do that to reach the right number of people i.e on ideally on mass Um, and it doesn't have to be everybody, but it can be a subset of everybody, Um, and to do it in a way that commands attention uh, and is seen and heard, uh, all those things. And, you know, if you talk to EGTA or any of the other major uh, players in the market, Thinkbox is a good example in the UK, those are the messages that they pump out all the time. Uh, The problem is that uh, uh, that there's, there's still this degree of Ah, oh, yes, but all the eyeballs, all the people, all the young, you know, consumers now are spending most of their day on TikTok. Uh, a lot of people are on Amazon, um, you know, and, and so on. Um, you, you just still feel a little bit sort of like a bit of a dinosaur if you talk about the virtues of, of fame, brand fame and good old fashioned television advertising, which, by the way, can be YouTube and it can even be TikTok. Although, again, we get into conversations about equivalences here because a 30 second ad on a mainstream TV channel is not the same as a six second ad on Facebook or a, uh, in a, a video on TikTok. So you know, I know what the ASI, ASI does and what the ASI does is we need that more and more to try and bring some kind of common sense into the marketplace um, so that media are evaluated correctly against their strengths. Um, so I would carry on doing exactly what they have been doing for ever and a day. Because um, hopefully, in the end, those messages will start getting through. So as we move into this new era where, after 20 years, the internet bubble has, is bursting or has burst, then hopefully there will be a swing back towards the quality of exposure, the power of messaging, creativity, effectiveness, uh, and even good old-fashioned reach, um, which, by the way, has been misused a lot when because people say coverage is the same as reach and reach is the same as coverage so facebook say we've got fantastic reach well actually this means you've got a lot of users it's not the same thing so Mm -hmm. uh to answer that's a very long answer to a short question but i i i would just keep banging that drum and get more people to bang that drum um because in the end um you know i think we know we're right yeah in the end the good guys win Nick, thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much indeed for joining us for this edition of the ASI Cast.
1: Well, it's thank been you. a great pleasure. We could talk about this all day long, but we probably shouldn't. And uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I do think it's a uh, well, we know it's a debate that needs to be had. Fortunately, it's starting to be had. Um, some of the trade titles are getting uh, getting uh, behind it. So uh, the uh, media leader people are uh, ad wanted uh are going to be talking about this at their conference in October so I think there is there's a bit of a groundswell I think the the move towards attention is partially evidence of this as well uh and very welcome it is too and I love the work that uh people like Mike and Karen are doing in that area so I think there is there are good signs of some progress being made I hope so anyway thanks Dave okay pleasure thank you very much